0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... President Kim Charleson and Director of Government Relations Tony Stevens discuss the upcoming Affiliate Presidents' Meeting and the Legislative Seminar. Welcome to ACB Reports for February 2018. Annual mid-year meeting and legislative seminar of the American Council of the Blind will take place from Saturday, February 24th through Tuesday, February 27th in Alexandria, Virginia. The weekend will begin with a board meeting of the American Council of the Blind on Saturday, February 24th, followed by the affiliate president's meeting on Sunday, February 25th, The Legislative Seminar on Monday, February 26th, and Capitol Hill meetings with legislators on Tuesday, February 27th. The hotel for these meetings is the Crown Plaza Alexandria. Room rates before taxes are $117 per night. The hotel phone number is 703-683-6000. Visit acb.org or contact the National Office of the American Council of the Blind for additional information about this event. American Council of the Blind President Kim Charlson comes to the ACB Report's microphones to talk about the affiliate President's Meeting and other issues. We'll begin with those other issues. A recent press release from the ACB National Office provided an update of the ongoing Accessible Currency case. What is the background and status of that case?
1: It goes back to June of um, 2016 when ACB was given news from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing that they didn't believe that they would be able to implement a tactile feature for paper currency for the first denomination that would roll out before the year 2026. Now, remember that we won our lawsuit in 2008 and 2009. So we've been working and collaborating and doing research with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing for almost a decade. So we were pretty unhappy about the fact that they were trying to push the deadline, which had been 2020 before that announcement, to as far out as 2026. So ACB filed a motion in 2016 with the court, basically urging the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to act judiciously and expeditiously to bring about resolution of the tactile currency issue. The government also said that it wasn't because of the tactile features that they were having delays. It was more regarding the counterfeiting issue that was kind of new to us so our motion um, was finally heard by the court this is the district court of the District of Columbia in mid-October and our attorney spoke quite eloquently about the reasons why tactile access to paper currency is needed Um, we had a lot of good information The government, on the other hand, I would have to say, was not as prepared as we thought they might be. They were asked quite a lot of questions by the judges, and not necessarily prepared with answers that might have satisfied those judges.
0: You said this time the issue was the counterfeit issue rather than the tactical issue. In the past, hasn't it been both?
1: Yes, it has. They've coupled those two issues together. And this was the first time they had ever publicly sort of separated the two. So we found that interesting. So December 26th, a ruling came out from the three-judge panel. Their determination was that they felt that the lower court did not answer all the questions they should have back in 2007, 2008, and they remanded the case back to the lower court that made the original ruling and instructed them to make a determination as to whether all currency must be made accessible by 2026 or how they were going to do that. So now the government is basically working to prepare answers to that case um, regarding revisions of a timeline because they made reference to needing to revise the timeline to as far out as 2030. So we've been obviously very concerned. There's a lot of questions that were never addressed in the original case, and there was no evidence purported by the government as far as reasonable timelines, budgetary costs, study. There were studies. We did a lot of research in the early part, 2009-10, 11-12, there's been a lot of currency studies, tactile feature studies. So the three-judge panel decided that the lower court needs to address a lot of the issues surrounding the case.
0: Was the 2026 timeline the government's timeline, or was that something set by the court?
1: No, that was the government's revised timeline. So the government's going to be digging up more evidence to support their case, and ACB decided that we needed to get more accounts of why access to currency is important. So the ask that ACB has of its members and anyone who's blind or visually impaired who uses paper money, you need to help because this really is the part of the case where we have to go back to actual blind people and get your stories, get your accounts, real-life difficulties you have had using paper currency in public, shopping, receiving change when you're buying something and trying to put it away in an organized way and feeling pressure because there's five people behind you in line and knowing that you really need to take the time to make sure you put it away correctly, riding in a taxi cab, all those scenarios where there's been a challenge. We want to hear about those challenges and how it's been hard, any mishaps you've had where someone didn't give you the correct change, either accidentally or deliberately, and you were not in a position to verify what they had done until later on, and it was too late to correct it, and horror stories. We know there are horror stories out there of people being swindled and conned and thinking that they received the right amount of change and then getting home and maybe using their talking currency identifier at home to identify the money and finding out that they didn't get the change they should have received. We want to hear stories about any issues you've had using the external talking currency reader that the BEP started distributing in 2014. Those need to um, be sent via email to the ACB office using the email address advocacy@acb.org. at acb.org and just write up your account. It doesn't have to be in legal terms or anything like that. ACB staff will um, sort through the accounts we receive and ones that are particularly compelling and really have a good story to tell and a case to document. We will share those with our attorney, and our attorney will be turning those into actual affidavits that can be used as evidence when the case comes back up at the lower court level. So I would urge you to do that right away. We're expecting this case to come up again in the court in either March or April. So we're looking to get those accounts as soon as possible to help us with our case.
0: This is ACB Reports from the American Council of the Blind. Our guest is ACB President Kim Charlson. The American Council of the Blind has recently been in negotiations with Hulu. Before we talk about those negotiations, what is Hulu?
1: Hulu is a video streaming platform like Netflix where you can use your Android or iOS device or television and you can stream television shows and movies. Streaming television and movies is becoming incredibly popular People want to watch something when they want to watch it. So there's a lot of content on places like Netflix that have a lot of original content. Now, Hulu is a little different because Hulu also streams, in addition to the television programs or the movies and things like that that they have available, they actually also stream some network television programs. So this is a, a way that some people get around having cable. People are trying to reduce some of their expense and sometimes feel that cable isn't as affordable as they'd like and they use a service like Hulu or Netflix to get their entertainment through streaming. So A C B has been involved in accessibility in this area and there's are several services out there. There's of course Amazon Video, there's iTunes. Um, two years ago, ACB was involved in a structured negotiation that was very successful with Netflix, and now most of Netflix's original content is audio described. And a lot of what they pick up to carry from others as far as movies and that kind of thing is also described. They've worked out a really good system and are doing extremely well with that. So we approached Hulu because they're doing similar kind of thing and they should be providing content that has description when it's being aired on Hulu, there should be an option for audio description. So at this point, we're engaged in active negotiation discussions with Hulu. Um, They're going quite well, and I'm hopeful that in a few months we'll have some real positive news to report there as well.
0: The Mid-Year Affiliate Presidents' Meeting is coming up at the end of February. Talk about that.
1: It is. It's quite a packed few days of activities. So it begins on the 24th of February with the ACB Board of Directors meeting. And then Sunday, the 25th of February, is our Presidents' Meeting. Basically, that is a leadership um, development meeting affiliate presidents or other officers from our state and special interest affiliates come to Washington, D.C., and we have an agenda for updating them on new developments, action items that need to be taken when they go home to work on issues, briefings on legislative activities, but it primarily is you know, news from ACB for our ACB leadership, for things they can use that ACB is doing, to give them more resources, more information to do the advocacy work they need to do. It's pretty informative. We have a great luncheon speaker for that day, Holly Bonner. She lives in the metropolitan New York City area. She has had to be an advocate for herself and her children because she's a blind mom. Sometimes in some districts, you may have a school that's three blocks away from your house. But when the dust settles, your kids were assigned to a school that's like five miles away on the other side of town. And this happened to Holly, and she went to the school district to advocate, you know, for herself, basically. She said, I live three blocks from the school. I can walk my children to school if I can come to this school. But if they have to go five miles across town, how am I going to get my kids there, and how am I going to pick them up every day? So she had to advocate for herself and go through quite a process to get the school district to allow her to go to the school that was nearest to her home. So she's going to be talking about her advocacy adventure and kind of things she had to deal with. It's a great story, and she's quite a great advocate. Then Monday, the 26th of February, is our legislative seminar where we spend the day with briefings on our key legislative issues that we're going to go to Capitol Hill to advocate for and we usually have about 125 people from several affiliates to go up to the Hill and leave information packets with key representatives and senators from their state. It's lots of offices, lots of running around on the next day which is the 27th when we go up to Capitol Hill and actually have meetings with congressional staffers, sometimes with the representatives or senators themselves, to talk about our key issues. So it's a full agenda, absolutely. We've got a lot to talk about. We brief our members. It's quite exciting to get the information and then go up to Capitol Hill and actually be part of our democratic process in action. You know, they always say democracy isn't pretty, and we've seen some of that in the last few weeks. But it's our democracy, and we need to work and be a part of it and really exercise our rights to make sure that our elected representatives know what the blindness community needs, wants, and is there to advocate for.
0: And speaking of elect, it is the so-called off-year election where Congress is up for re-election.
1: All of Congress and some senators, you're absolutely right. And we do... On Sunday at the President's meeting, we're going to be talking about voting access and what states need to be doing as far as accessible voting. A lot of them are working on round two of accessible voting machines. We've had accessible voting machines for a while in some places, and they're getting older and it's almost time to think about, okay, what are we going to do for the next generation? Some places are still fighting to get the first generation of accessible voting machines in. So it's a state-by-state issue. ACB is developing a voter access toolkit for affiliates to help them with issues around voting access, everything from registering to vote to actual access to an accessible ballot and how that all should work and how you can advocate for that. And we'll have some speakers from... The National Council on Independent Living, they have a voting access staff person, and the American Association of People with Disabilities has a staff person who's responsible for voting access. So it's a pretty high-profile topic to be talking about this time of year.
0: That was Kim Charlson, president of the American Council of the Blind. As ACB Reports continues, Tony Stevens, director of government relations for the American Council of the Blind, joins us to talk about the imperatives that legislative seminar participants will take to Congress this year.
2: The imperatives for this year are a number of things that will be somewhat familiar for folks, and that's partly due to the climate of where we are with government right now and with Congress. It's fair to say that there are a number of fiscal constraints that still exist within the federal government. and It's going to be important for us as one of our key priorities to try to create any kind of echo and noise we can on the key programs and services that we try to protect and leverage as an opportunity to create independence and opportunity through federal dollars. And we know that there's a lot more noise arguing over what essentially are fewer dollars to be had. Coming out of the tax reform package that passed in December, You know, the government still has a pretty significant deficit that's gonna have to wrestle with. And unfortunately, those wrestling tactics in a sense are gonna have to come through sort of fiscal austerity, we've been going through what's called sequestration since 2011 under the budget control act that passed in 2011 and in that sort of bill government spending was capped and as well if the deficit reaches a certain amount and in this case they're estimating roughly a trillion to 1.5 trillion dollars if it reaches that 1.5 trillion the senate has to have certain procedural steps it takes so that it can't just pass a budget through a single majority It's kind of the chess game that's been taking place here in Washington for a few years. And, you know, a lot of people have sort of watched in Washington as to why things can't get done. And a large part of it is just procedurally, that they need this amount of votes to get budgets and things passed. And the majority does not have that. So that means there's probably going to have to be some sort of fiscal constraints and budget cuts and things like that. So we'll be going through another round. About the time we'll have our legislative seminar, the White House should release their 2019 budget. Congress appropriates money, basically signs the checks for money, to be effective October 1st. The federal government's year starts October 1st. So we'll be looking toward the budget of that year. And as well, we'll just be coming out of February 8th, uh, we'll be finding out if Congress was able to pass a budget for 2018 for the remainder of this year. They've been operating under what's called continuing resolution, or a CR, where they kind of pass and say, okay, we're going to spend what we spent last year, and we're going to spend a couple weeks here, or a couple months here, we'll authorize money. And it's kind of like a baby step process towards passing a budget. So I don't want to say that the storm clouds will be aligned the right way for budget cuts when we're here in Washington, but it's definitely an important time to talk about programs and services that are important and also how government can try to find ways to spend its money more efficiently. So the first imperative that we'll be really sort of focusing on will consist of a number of key programs and services that the federal government funds. Programs like the Older Individuals with Blindness Program, which... As many know, blindness is a disability that most frequently happens older, later years in life for people, and there's a series of grant streams that's very critical, as there are fewer services available for older age adults as they're becoming blind. Unless they're looking to go back to employment, there are fewer opportunities for grants and assistance, so this is a very valuable program that we don't want to see get cut in the Department of Education's Rehabilitation Services Administration, what we call RSA. So we. Fighting for programs like that, programs like the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, an array of these type of programs. It's just a handful this year. Last year we took a number of programs up on the Hill, and we actually had success. This year we're really going to have to sort of double down on some of the key priority programs. Uh, At the same time, you know, we're trying to push a message that government, we believe, can also take already existing funds and spend it more wisely. One of the primary focus on spending and, and where Republicans are trying to look to cut back in cost savings is with the entitlement programs. They run a huge bill for the federal government each year, programs like Medicare and then the states fund Medicaid, but federal government reimburses for Medicaid. So we've been pushing for a couple of years and had a bill introduced that basically will be a demonstration, which is a government term for an experiment to try to find out ways that we can keep people more independent in their homes for longer periods of time. Right now, Medicare does not pay for low-vision devices, anything with a lens Medicare isn't going to cover. We had a bill introduced that would do an experiment to find out what are the cost savings. If we put a little bit of money through Medicare, is that going to allow people to live more independently in home? We believe it will, and keep them out of institutions like nursing homes and other programs that are extremely cost-ridden very expensive, a person has to deplete their savings and even go on to Medicaid. That's an additional cost if they end up not being able to stay independent in the home. So what little things can we do to get Medicare to spend its money more smartly for what we call aging in place? So we have a bill, H.R. 2050, the Medicare Demonstration on Coverage of Low Vision Devices Act that was introduced in the House, and we're currently pushing to get it introduced in the Senate. We believe this is one of the steps as Congress tries to figure out how they can save money now and down the road When it comes especially to entitlements, the number of people who are blind is going to significantly increase over the next generation, we know for a fact. And so we're trying to think of ways that we can get ahead of the curve and through this Medicare demonstration hopefully find ways to make people more independent. You know, a little bit can go a long way. And, you know, what we often say, you know, is a return on investment and trying to sustain people's independence and not rely on institutionalization as they get older. The other bill in education... Is looking at the other end of the spectrum for our youth and our students who are blind and visually impaired. And as many know, you know students who are blind these days oftentimes have multiple disabilities. Uh, no blind individual is exactly the same. Their vision can be different, but also the way they come into being independent. In their blindness can be completely different. And that makes a very unique set of students across the board, where no one size fits all. So there's a piece of legislation. That AFB, the American Foundation for the Blind, has been leading along with other groups for the deaf and deaf-blind community, and ACB has been along the way in this, called the Cogswell Macy Act, named after Alice Cogswell, a very prominent deaf advocate for the deaf and hard of hearing. Uh, And then, as those that may remember their school books and, and know the life of Helen Keller, Ann Sullivan Macy was the person who really helped educate Helen Keller. So the bill is named after them, and what it aims to do is really take the money that is spent in primary education for students under what's called IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It takes that money, and we try to find out the best way to spend it so we get, again, the biggest bang for the buck or the biggest, in this case, real return on investment, you know, no greater investment than that of our children in our future. So there are a lot of needs in this sort of one-size-fits-all that doesn't always work. So how can we create better assessments? do things like expanded core curriculum and other programs that really, in a sense, help our students get the unique set of tools and resources they need so that they can truly succeed, so that they, when they leave school, when they leave high school, that they, in fact, can become as independent, productive members of our society as any other peer that they were in school with. That's the Cogswell-Macy Act, and that's another piece of legislation that, for those taking notes, is H.R. 1120 in the House of Representatives, and Senate Bill 2087 2087 in the U.S. Senate. So we were lucky AFB and others were advocating to help get that Senate bill introduced in the fall, and they did. So we'll be, again, carrying on the message of finding ways that we think Government can best spend its money so that it gets the biggest return on investment.
0: That bill is already in the House and the Senate, so it's not a matter of trying to get it introduced. It's just to try and do
2: no, it's sponsors. not. We just need members to get co-sponsors, and we got to find people to sort of champion both for our seniors and older age adults that are on Medicare, but at the same time find ways to not forget about our students and our youth as well. IDEA, the Disability Education Act you know it's probably not going to come up before the senate but this is a very important bill that we continue to keep messaging on because it a tells a very important story about look we need to find ways to better spend the money that's being spent already but in the same sense too it's continually pushing for when that window does open up that we're poised and ready to have this included in the larger what they often call an omnibus bill a larger package that will focus on education and special education dollars other areas that are hot items this year for legislative seminar we have an invitation out again to Department of Transportation for aviation. There's been a lot of talk over Delta's new policy on service animals. It's been an area that ACB has been very much engaged on, and we believe that there are some real solutions. If it's doing the same type of solutions that ACB and others recommended during a series of negotiations with airlines last year that got tabled, we have a lot of options on the table and felt that Delta's new policy was not necessary and a bit overreaching Delta is aiming to try to curtail the fraud of people saying their pets are service animals or emotional support animals, but we feel it's going to make travel much more difficult on that airline for people who are blind. So we hope to hear from the Department of Transportation because this is very much an issue we've been working on for years in trying to curtail the fraud of service animals and emotional support animals in the airlines. We're also looking, we got another bill out there that we were lucky to have introduced this year that's doing a GAO study in government to try to find out where the failure for Medicare and Medicaid is and providing reasonable accommodations. So that's another bill. That's HR, I think it's 3457, I believe. It's an investigation into the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, Medicare and Medicaid Services, or what we call CMS, to try to provide a GAO study, which will look into reasonable accommodation failures. What are the numbers? Where are they not going through because we get a lot of issues with people calling us and saying I wasn't aware of Medicare doing this and they are sending me print documents and I still can't read this stuff and this is my life we're dealing with here on my health care so that's an area we're still advocating for it's not necessarily in the priority of our top imperatives but it's still out there we're going to be hearing from the auto industry on autonomous vehicles that is a rapidly accelerating technology that's actually on the roads now in cities like Phoenix and San Francisco and Pittsburgh And technology, I was at some meetings around the auto show over the past week. And, you know, it's a technology that is, without disagreement, is here now. And auto industries are poised to try to create mass production. And we're working, fortunately, with a number of manufacturers to make sure those cars are accessible. So we'll have someone from the auto industry talking about a Senate bill that's currently out there that we've been helping advocate for called the DRIVE Act in the Senate. That's helping to get this technology out on the roads fast in a way that we can begin to get the the research data cultivated and, and tested and can begin to make sure that technology also has us at the table when there's work groups and things like that to make sure that people with disabilities are at the table talking about accessibility issues. So there's a wide range of issues this year at the Legislative Seminar, and for those that cannot make it, please listen in on ACB radio. You can listen to the live stream on the 26th. And then join us on social media on the 27th if you can't make us here, as we do a big social media push for a National Day of Action on a ACB 2018 Action Day. So if you can't make it here to Washington, join us online on Facebook or Twitter, and call your members of Congress at their switchboards, and we'll be sending out more information on that over the next month. Any questions, you can call us at our national office at 202-467-5081. Again, 202 202-467- 467 5081 or email advocacy at acb.org that's advocacy at acb.org
0: That was Tony Stevens, Director of Government Relations for the American Council of the Blind. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.